Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Chris Harrington joins us now. Chris, what are we listening to? That is a Victim of Circumstance by Joan Jett and the Blackheart. My favorite non-hit single Joan Jett song, I think. Joe Jett, 65 years old today. There we go. Happy birthday. You can can grow old rather than fade away. So shout out to Joe Jett. Drew Hill over at the Daily Memphian has kind of a look back at storylines from last year's media day. And I'm I'm more curious about this. Do you recall what was your kind of what was your biggest question for the Grizzlies before last season? Oh wow! I, I don't. That's a good. I don't remember. I, I'm trying. I'm trying to go back. For, I mean, for me, it was. For me, it was like how would they handle the target on their back, which I don't think they did too well. Yeah, I mean, I mean Jaron was hurt to start last season. Yeah. I'm trying to refresh my memory here, and so we didn't have Jaron to start the season. So there was the question about that, um, and he had had a terrible offensive season the year before. Yeah. And then he was supposed to have this summer of working on his game that he didn't get because of the injury. And so there was a lot of unknown about that. And because he was out, you're going to have to replace him. And so going into camp, we didn't know who that was going to be. Was it going to be Tati Aldama? Was it going to be Jake LaRavia, who they just traded two first-round picks to move up to get? Were they going to go with Brandon Clark? Um, I think that there was a lot of that. And then there was a lot of hopes around Zaire Williams, who had had a pretty good summer league. Yeah. And there was a lot of hope going into media day, I think, that Zaire Williams is going to make the leap. And then it turned out he got hurt, and his, his season was delayed and never got on track. So, so I feel like the, the power forward questions and then the Zaire Williams questions maybe were, were prominent for me. But, but I may be wrong. And it feels like they only answered one of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, feels, it feels like Jaron did, did answer the bell. Well, and, and there was the Dylan stuff about an extension. But, but, but at that point... I had sort of internalized that 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 he, he wasn't going to sign an extension because they were capped, that he wasn't wasn't going to sign a deal that long. Yeah, and both so parties acted rationally. Made my piece. Yeah, I made my piece that that just wasn't going to happen. He was going to be a free agent the next the summer, so that was no longer a, a sort of question for me. I was trying to think. We also had Ja Ja just signed his extension. I... I don't know. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of that. I guess the other question, though, that I was kind of thinking is it heads into this season. Do you think that this team's still going to talk as much as they did, you know, the last two years? Or do you think maybe that there's going to be more of an emphasis on let the play do the work? Oh, I, I think I think you would already you'd already seen them try to turn the corner on some of their some of that stuff and some of their general cultural stuff late last season. Um, Dylan, Dylan Brooks didn't take, didn't didn't get the memo on that, but the rest of the team sort of did, and so I think you've already seen that shift, and I think that shift will continue. Now, if Jock comes back and he's like great for a few weeks, they go on a winning streak. Like, who knows what's going to be said, right? But I, I think the vibe is going to be a, a turn down the volume vibe. Yeah. What's your biggest question with this team? Um, I. I mean, the Josh stuff is just obvious, but that, I mean, it's got to be that until it's He's not. He's their best player. Um, right, right. So it's got to be Josh until it's not. 
Um, I, I, I want a, you know, I want a confirmation that Stephen Adams is, is back to full health, um, and not only back to full health. And we won't know this until they actually start playing some games. Not only back to full health, but but the player he was before the injury. Given he, he just turned thirty, given his age, there's no reason I think he won't just be the same player he was before that injury. But I think they really need him to be that, and so. And so, so to me, that's a box that you know you you need to check to feel good about the Grizzlies, you know, season coming up. Yeah, I, it is kind of funny. It felt like we overreacted to two playoffs ago when he, you know, he got played off the floor, which I still thought was an overreaction in real time. And then last year, it felt like it maybe swung too far in the other direction of about how impactful he was. What is the What's the appropriate way to analyze Stephen Stephen Adams' impact? Well, I, I think one of the things we've seen in recent years is this disconnect between regular season NBA and playoff NBA. Yeah, um, I, and I think that is sort of a question with Stephen Adams. I think we know that his regular season impact is enormous. I think that is known. Um, I think his his playoff value slash impact. Is 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 uh, is more unsettled, and and that's obviously more matchup specific. To your point, like he he, he they they struggled with him in the Towns matchup against Minnesota, and went another way. Maybe they overreacted to that. Maybe they didn't. They won the series, but they had hopes of getting him back in the mix of the next series against Golden State. He had COVID. He missed the start of that series. I don't think he was ever one hundred percent. And I think to a man, Grizzlies players really felt like his absence was major against the Lakers last season. And so I think it is it is it is established that he is, that he is has a huge impact on the Grizzlies playing the regular season. It is not established his value in the playoffs, but I, I think that's because we don't have a lot of evidence to go on. Yeah, and I don't know. I guess because I've always I've always struggled with like articulating what his value is, but the there is kind of an element of like you just know when you see it, like when he's off the floor, like they were they were clearly not as good. But is that a bigger issue? Is that a does that say more about Stephen Adams, or does that say more about what they try to replace Stephen Adams with? Well, I, I mean that's part of it. They, they can't replicate really what he does. Yeah. Um, and so the thing about his game is that it's just in a way that I don't think. I mean, I, I was pretty optimistic about the Adams for Valentinus exchange. The Grizzlies felt like you know that wasn't just something they had to do to do other things. They felt like that wasn't something they actively wanted. But I don't think anyone saw the full extent of how well he would fit with the other stars on the team. And he really, his game elevates the strengths of the, of the three main stars and, and in, a, in a couple cases, minimizes weaknesses. And so, you know, he fits with Jaron because he can control the board to let Jaron roam and contest. And that ends up being elite defense when you put those two things together. Um, he fits with Ja because he elevates Ja's downhill capability. Yeah. Ja, ja is dangerous already attacking, but when you have Stephen Adams setting picks, that makes Ja more dangerous, and it makes the play more dangerous when Stephen Adams is trailing to crash the offensive boards. Like that, that sort of that little like you know attack attack the paint machine that you have in a Ja Morant Stephen Adams interaction is really dangerous. And then it's not quite the same with Desmond Bain, but he just developed such a chemistry with Bain in terms of Bain cutting around him and and the, and the high post passing. He just really plays and fits really well with the three stars. And so, um, you know, I just think he's hugely important to maximize what they're going to be, at least in the regular season. Like, when I think back to that Timberwolves series, I felt like another part of the conversation got left off was, like, 
Jaron kept getting in foul trouble, and I felt like that that allowed the Timberwolves to isolate Adams in a way that like, I just always felt like they they just really panicked and overreacted because like he'd been your starter all year, and then all of a sudden you just decide at the eleventh hour that you, Xavier Tillman gives you a better chance to win. Yeah, I mean that, that may be that, it may it may well be the case that they did. I, I think you know when you're the two seed, yeah, and and you're not playing a Lakers seven, you're playing a Minnesota Timberwolves seven, yeah. and then you lose game one at home, um, that tends to like prompt reaction, right? Sure, it, it may prompt a uh, prompt aggressive aggressive reaction. I would say. In in terms of playoff series wins, where how would you rank that win? Because like I always felt like in real time. It was a tougher series win than you would get credit for, but like I still didn't know like how to. I still didn't know kind of how to like contextualize it. Well, it wasn't impressive just because you thought you know the team you beat had a good reason to think that they were the better team in the series. I mean that they they just failed to close the deal, yeah. right? That it was. I think if you're the Minnesota Timberwolves, you could rightly think we blew this. Yes. And so to feel like you survived a series when you're the two and they're the seven. And again, it's not a LeBron James seven. It's like a real seven seed seven. Um, that doesn't feel great. The other half of that, though, to take a more optimistic look at it, is you had to deal with adversity and, and work your way out of it. And so they, they they had to adjust on the fly in the playoffs to figure out a way to win, and, and they were able to do that. And so I think it's a little bit of a mixed bag. Are there lessons to take from the Lakers series last year? Um, not have... Steven Adams and Brandon Clark both hurt. Yeah, not have not have two unavailable. of your top six guys hurt. Yeah, right. Well, not not have your two. I mean, honestly, I mean that was your your, your starter and your backup center theoretically in yeah. your depth chart, right? Because Santi Aldama is the backup power forward in your depth chart. So not have, not have your first and second centers unavailable in your depth chart when suddenly Anthony Davis, but you know, at least for a few weeks there, not just in that series, but in the Golden State one after that plays up to his capability, and his capability is best big man on the planet, or second best to Jokic, right? So he actually played at that level in a series where you were missing your starter and your backup center, so that was kind of rough. There were other problems, too, but that that was a pretty glaring one. Yeah, because, like, I understand, like, for talk shows and whatnot, it became, like, fodder. But really, like, I always just feel like when we got to the end of the playoffs, like, you started to realize, like, that was more of a personnel series than it was, you know, distractions or whatever, you know, whatever the conversation around the series was. Yeah, I, mean, I think it was some of both, but, but but I think I do think it was more personnel. And that was a situation where the seeding was misleading because the Grizzlies had had the injuries and the, and, and the distractions. The Lakers had reshuffled their team at the trade deadline. And those two, the, the two teams that actually went into the playoffs was not reflective of a 2-7 matchup yeah. at all. And in fact, if you look at the post, the post, the post um, trade deadline records and the post trade deadline point differentials, they were basically the same. And so you take two teams that performed essentially evenly with the play, the teams they had on the floor, and then one team has LeBron James and Anthony Davis. You know, I mean, it wasn't that surprising the outcome. Do you have more confidence in this roster as a playoff team? Um, if fully healthy, yes, because I do think, I think you know. Everyone's a year older, but no one's a year older in a bad way, yeah. really, unless it's Stephen Adams, right? Um, and I think that Marcus Smart, I think in the regular season, essentially doing a two-for-one, and I know like Derrick Rose is here too, but it's really a two-for-one in terms of your rotation. Yeah. You sent out 
Dylan Brooks and Tyus Jones, you bring in Marcus Smart. And so Marcus Smart is not going to play as many minutes as Dylan Brooks and Tyus Jones combined. So in terms of your regular season, I don't know whether that's a plus or not. But I think in the playoffs it should be because Dylan Brooks and Tyus Jones, frankly, were net negatives in the last two postseasons for you. And Marcus Smart has much more of a history and track record of playoff basketball. And I think Marcus Smart is someone who could like basically be at, be at any, any lineup. You know, like Tyus Jones just wasn't going to be on the floor for you in crunch time with John Morant unless you were just – you felt like you had no other options. So I think Marcus Smart elevates their playoff rotation or should. And so, yeah, I think if they're healthy, they're a little bit better equipped for the postseason. How concerned are you of – if you have, you know, a playoff – like let's say, you know, the, the majority of your minutes in your backcourt are – Ja, Desmond, and Marcus Smart. How concerned are you that that is too small of a lineup? Um, I think the size is an issue, especially since you don't have – you may be playing those three guys together a lot, yeah. one, two, and three, not just your backcourt. And so the fact that you don't have a small forward who – you know, the, the idea of the small forward who can guard across positions, Marcus Smart is trying to do that for you at 6'1 or 6'2 yeah. instead of Dylan Brooks at 6'6. Six, six. And you don't have – I think I think Zaire Williams like becoming the player they wanted him to be and people thought he was becoming would, would be enormously helpful to this team. Yes. In the absence of that, yeah, it's a problem. But it, but it, there's the size problem, and there's also a little bit just the the, the shooting problem. I you know I mean Smart and Ja are, are neither they're both sort of middling to negative shooters. Well, and, and if so, you have Stephen Adams on the floor, I mean that's per, you know that's perhaps this, this three three non-offensive guys. This is one of the questions, and I'll get into this more when I write ahead of the season, is like the Grizzlies are this weird team where they have a lot of elite attributes on their team. When you yeah. think about who's the best player in the league at this, at that, they got a lot of those guys, right? Um, but putting, getting the right mix on the floor is weird because, yeah, Steven Adams may be the best screener and offensive rebounder in basketball. John Morant's probably a top two downhill guard. And Marcus Smart should be on the short list for best perimeter defenders. But if you play all three of those guys together, like, how's your offense going to work? At the same time, you've got, like, you know, like, Luke Kennard's led the NBA in three-point shooting two years in a row. But how much can you play him and John Morant together and, and, and have your defense hold up? And so you got a lot of those kind of tricky questions, I think, for the coaching staff. Well, I think, like, you know, something we, we talked about yesterday, I think it's kind of the other part about Santi Aldama that makes it difficult. It's like he has a skill set that is clearly valuable right. – determining the like the way to maximize that for in a team construct, I feel like is is a difficult question. Yeah, I mean add him to the jaw the jaw canard thing. Like can you play jaw, Luke yeah. Canard, and Santiago Dama together? Like your your offense is gonna be awesome, but is your defense gonna 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 be good enough? You know, you you get a lot of those questions when you start to assemble lineups, I think. Which is which is why Jaron and Daz are so important. Because like I'm not saying they're the best players on the team, that's probably still Ja, but there's zero questions about those guys. Yeah. Those guys work in all lineups, right? On yes. both sides of the floor. The only way the only so Jared doesn't work really is if he's important. in foul trouble, and the only way Desmond doesn't right. work is when he's banged up. That's right. That's right. Those guys work in any lineup, and you don't really lose anything on either side of the floor. Are we back to worrying about Jared's foul trouble? Oh, we'll see when the season starts. I, I, I don't. I, I, I'm more in my list of concerns. Health and three-point shooting for me are higher than the foul stuff. I know that for most people, they get really animated about the foul stuff. It's definitely a problem. It's ticked, it, it's ticked down every season. It needs to tick down a couple more notches, right? We yeah. don't need. We're not at the plateau plateau Correct. where you're comfortable. With. We still got room for so improvement. You, that's right. Still got room for improvement. 
But, like, you know, if you gave me the choice of, like, Jaron's foul trouble, foul rate ticks down meaningfully, but he shoots 32% from three, or his, his foul rate stays the same as last year, but he shoots 39% from three, I'll take the second of those. What about the same question for Desmond Bain? What are your concerns there? I don't really have any concerns. I mean, obviously, you know, you want guys to stay healthy, but I don't think he's someone who's, like, injury-prone or has, you know, any more than any other player in, in basketball. And yeah. So I, I don't really have a lot of concerns by him. To me, it, it's upside. It's like how much, how much, more, how much better is it going to – how much – how much more better? That's I'm really yeah. Sort of nailed it. Here. How much how much better can it still get? Right, as good as it is, how much better can it still get? Because he he took a step up last season in playmaking. He, he took a step up in rebounding. You know, are there are there more rungs on the ladder for him? As good as he already is, and so to me, it's like all upside with Desmond Bain. What about Marcus Smart? You know, the question to me is like, could he be the player he was two years ago, or is he going to be? less of less than the player he was last season, right? So is he going to bounce back to be better than last season or is he, or are you going to take last season and then, and then drop down another 10% because of age? And that's the question is, was last season age-based decline? He was so good last year, yeah, but not as good as the year before. So was it age-based decline or was it he was banged up and playing hurt? And people I know who watched all the Celtics games think that the age-based decline is coming. But that last season, it was because he his, his 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 hip was hurt and he was playing hurt with it, and that that's what it is. So to me, that's the question: Do you get the bounce back or or a more gentle decline from last season? Are there basketball concerns with Ja, or is it still just mostly you know where is he personally? Oh yeah, there are basketball concerns, but like but they take a back seat to the other because if you're not on the floor playing, the yeah. basketball concerns matter. Um, but yeah, his shooting regressed last season. Um, I think even, you know, he's missing games now because of suspension, but there's still a durability issue with him. I think his defense got a little bit better last season. Still not a plus, but I felt like I, it I felt like he was staying in front season. of people more. Yeah, yeah. I think his defense improved last season. You like to see more of that, sort of like the Jared Val thing, like let's, let's, let's stay on the positive trajectory with that. And, and those are the main things with him. You know, to me, it's, it's defense, durability, and shooting. Those are always the three basketball issues with him. Chris, we appreciate it. Have a great weekend.